Hey, good morning. Well, good morning here. Good day. Good afternoon. Where, Whatever time it is, wherever you're at. Uh, hope you're having a great start to your week. Um, I am. It's been a it's been a good morning. Uh, been pretty interesting. Uh, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Angie, Pepper, Virginia. So good to have you all on. Um, what are we talking about today? Uh, we are going to go through what I was going to share yesterday. Uh, I really didn't have the words, but when we got done with worship yesterday, it was absolutely an incredible time. We'll get more into that here in just a minute. Uh, the, the series that we're in is Out of Zion, and the the title of yesterday was Lion of Judah. And wow, did the lion show up yesterday. Showed up really wanting to, to release a, a giant roar from heaven over us. And, and not one that you may think is of... Uh, displeasure or anger, uh, anything like that. It was uh, an exciting uh, roar that was um, fueling us, was uh, inspiring, was pulling us in deeper into him, into Jesus. And it was, it was incredible. It was, um, it was, it was a, a time that literally just kind of took language from me. I really didn't know uh, what to say on the backside of it. So it was, uh, it was a great time. Uh, Hey, John. And hi, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in from Connecticut. All right. Um, So yeah, it was, it was an amazing time. It was absolutely inspiring for me. And, um, I wish our technology worked better to get it out online. Um, soon enough, soon enough, we'll have that. Um, so today we're going to get into that message uh, that I was going to share yesterday. So we're going to talk uh, a little bit about Judah, the man, and then uh, get into a story about uh, uh, Jesus. And um, for me, it's an impactful story that that shows the lion and what he came to do and what he was doing right up front. Uh, and, and I mentioned this yesterday, we talk about Jesus as a lamb so often, and there's a, amazing scripture that, that talks about him that way. And we love to, to really view him in that manner because it shows what he did for us. And one of the things that we don't talk about enough is, the lion, the other side where he was uh, ferocious in pursuing us, ferocious in wanting to save us and doing just that. And and we'll get into that story here in just a little bit. Talking about Judah, uh, the man, you know, he was an older brother who at one point failed and then later came back and redeemed himself. He was one of the brothers that uh, felt the need, felt um, diminished by Joseph, his dream, by his favor from his father, and and didn't feel, I guess, regarded enough. And so thought it was a good idea to join with his brothers to uh, sell Joseph into slavery. Uh, I can't imagine 
the torment that he probably lived with all those years, uh, not knowing what had happened to his brother and, and what he had done to him. I'm sure that was just tormenting for him. And eventually we know that he came back around. And when he ran into Joseph, before he knew who it was that he was talking to, he was, uh, in a, in a sense, redeeming his earlier act in uh, wanting to protect his other brother, the new younger brother, right? He wanted to protect him and not have him be imprisoned. He was willing to give himself up in place of his brother. And, and so it it goes back to that age old question of, you know, am I, am I my brother's keeper? It's a loaded question for sure, because regardless of how you answer it, the person could come back with, with some kind of retort. You say, yes, you are your brother's keeper. Oh, it's my responsibility for his decisions, the choices that my brother makes where he goes, I'm supposed to follow him around. You can see how that, that can just kind of be turned around. It's, it's a loaded question. But in this instance, Judah took the responsibility to say, yes, I am. Not in those exact words, but to step up and offer himself in place of his brother. Yes. The correct answer is yes. Am I my brother's keeper? I answer my own question with yes. I don't need anybody else to answer it. And that's the beauty of oneness that we get to all share. We get to support each other's, uh, uh, get to support each other in in weakness, and use our strengths to build one another up. It's the, it's the whole sharpening process that happens. And so, yes, the answer is always yes. And so we know the impact that Judah has um, there, and and there is. Um, a blessing that he receives from his father uh, before he dies. And I want to read it to you because I, I think it's a, um, it's a wonderful blessing and it starts to set up Jesus and, and what he's going to do and what is going to come through that tribe of Judah. So it's Genesis 49, <clears throat> excuse me, Genesis 49 uh, verses eight and 10. 8 through 10, excuse me. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between his feet until Shiloh comes. So it's a great, uh, oh, excuse me. And it says, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So it's a great picture of what's to come. Love that right there. It, it's it's incredible, right? And, and so we know that Jesus is coming as a king. But the, the interesting thing is, is that they miss through other scriptures what it is that he is going to actually accomplish in his time on earth, what it is that he's actually doing when he shows up. And, and there's, there's another um, piece of scripture I want to look at in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 53, 7. It says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, 
Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. And so again, this is talking about Jesus coming as the lamb, right? So they, they missed what was happening when the King of Kings showed up. They, they missed that he was actually saving them from, from sin and death, from the consequence of the fall. Right? If you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Well, death was required. So there was a system of sacrifice set up. And, and so we know Jesus came to free us from that consequence. So we're eternal beings now on this side of the cross. As ones who have put our faith in him and believe in him, we are eternal beings. This life is one of opportunity to uh, worship in, in pain and and have worship be a sacrifice. Uh, we, we talked about this um, Friday. And I, and I will tell you, if you are uh, not able to watch live uh, what we're doing on Monday morning, uh, on occasionally on Wednesday, and then uh, definitely on Friday morning, you're, you're missing a, a piece of the whole. These things fit together and there are important messages that are being shared. And what we talked about Friday, if you haven't watched uh, Life Up Here yet, go back and, and check that out. There's a lot of important things there, uh, particularly about worship. And, and you need to catch catch what was said there and and know that uh, worship is sacrifice. You don't need the big production. You don't need music to worship. I mean, if you think about it, uh, to offer uh, a word of prophecy to somebody or to pray over somebody, do you need to like, hold on, I need to take a few minutes. I need to put on the right worship music. The, the, the band's got to be just right so I can I can enter in so I can I can properly worship. And I say properly worship because that, that's just one form of it. So we can't allow ourselves to be caught up in those things. And so I'm kind of I'm kind of getting off track, but um, understanding that there is a sacrifice there. It doesn't always um it's not always going to uh, uh, make you feel all ooey-gooey with goosebumps. And, uh, you know, it, that's just not always what it's going to be like. And so um, there's a sacrifice there. Okay. I've lost track of where I was at. Okay. We, we were talking about Jesus as the lamb. We, we see that all throughout scripture. Uh and the one thing I want us to catch, though, is that before that, there was a, a, a ferocious, ferocious act taking place by Jesus throughout his entire ministry to shift the minds of people to make sure that what he came to do was accomplished. He knew that what he had come to do from before uh, we know that. He's the lamb that was sacrificed before the foundations there. So he's always known what was going to take place. 
but there had to be a, a resolve, a, a ferociousness to actually push through and persevere and come out the other side as the victor. And he did that. And, and we have been pulled into that just by believing, simply believing. And it's a great and wonderful thing. And so let's look at this. Uh, I want to look at Matthew 3. It's uh, the story leading up to Jesus's baptism and then his actual baptism. And talk briefly about this yesterday. And Angie broke this open some time ago. It might have been about a year ago. Um, Jesus as the sin collector, right? He, he took the, the weight of sin and death onto himself so he could carry it to the cross. And so I, I want to look at a story where, where I truly believe this, this started to take place or, or where this actually may have taken place in a, a one-time event, um, not to say that that is is totally true, but this, to me, that's kind of what it feels like. And so let's let's take a look at it. So we're to read Matthew three. It says now in those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, "The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight." Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Just an interesting little thought here. Can you, locusts are about full grown, anywhere from three to four inches long. How many of those did it take to constitute a whole meal? I just, I imagine that it had to be quite a few. And... They must have been everywhere. Weird thought. Um, but you ever catch stuff like that? How many locusts did he have to eat in a day to sustain himself? Sorry. I, I <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's kind of gross. Um, all right. Back to the story here. Verse five. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you, that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is 
this is something that is can be a little difficult to kind of look into when when he starts calling on them to and calling them a brood of vipers and asking them who warned them to flee from the from the wrath to come uh, it, it's it's likely that their presence there and their um, uh, appearance to take part in this was strictly for for just that for appearance they wanted to be seen as righteous they wanted to be seen as holy by the people but what was happening on the inside in the heart was not lining up with appearance right the, the outside of the cup uh, can be clean but if the inside's still dirty that's where the liquid goes that's what you're drinking in right so uh, it's more important for the inside to be to be right. The the outside appearance often can be mistaken, uh, and you know that the old cliche about don't judge a book by its cover is is absolutely true in this case, because their appearance did not line up with what was going on on the inside, and so uh, the wrath to come. I personally believe that the wrath to come was focused at sin and death and not people. And also reading about the axe laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So there were trees that were, were bearing fruit that was not good. That was bad. It wasn't just that the tree didn't bear fruit but the fruit that it did bear wasn't good. Right? And that's, that's something that, that was going to be cut down. The ax was ready to cut this down, to tear down sin and death, its stronghold over humanity, and to do so on behalf of all people for all time, even those that came before that time. So it's, it's one of those things that I want you to lay hold of when, when you're thinking about wrath and where it's directed and where it's pointed. I just, I just can't imagine that God was wanting to, wanting to point his wrath at people. I, I can only... I can only imagine in any kind of, of certain way that his anger and, and wrath would be pointed at, at what was trying to oppress his creation. You are, you are loved way more than you know. And, and I think way more than we can even realize or understand and, and this right here is just absolutely proving that. That God decided to dress himself as us to come in our form to take on what was oppressing us. To take it up and destroy its power forever. 
right? He's, he is, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. Gather the wheat into his barn, gather you into his protection, into safety and shelter, but burn up with unquenchable fire what's trying to oppress you, what's trying to, to pull you away from his love. Verse 13, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, permitted at this time, for in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. This is another uh, uh, point where somebody was, was telling Jesus what you're asking or what you're doing uh, doesn't line up with who you are. It doesn't line up with, with you being the Messiah, you being God in human form. But the difference was here, John relented quickly and did what, did what was, uh, being asked. Verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I didn't have this ready and I should have um, this right here. So when you go to the book of John to read this story in this account, uh, it's recorded as this is a vision that a prophetic vision that John had, John the baptizer had when Jesus came up out of the water and he saw the heavens open. He saw a dove descending down and landed on Jesus. And he heard the voice out of heaven saying, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And, and it says that was a prophetic vision that John had. And so he saw these things. And, and it was a, a confirmation of something he knew that was going to take place. He knew that when he saw the dove come down, who it would land on would be the one, would be the Messiah. And so it was, it was a confirmation of that. Uh, there's a couple things I want to read uh, to you here um, out of the Passion Translation, the footnotes, because they're, they're actually very incredible uh, little pieces of background. A bit of fun. In Jesus replying, it's only right to do all that God requires. So when John was uh, saying, I have need to be baptized from you, um, the, the Passion Translation says that Jesus' Jesus's reply was, it is only right to do all that God requires. And the footnote says that this was the presentation of the Lamb of God as a sacrifice for sins. It was important that John publicly washed the Lamb of God and fulfill the requirements of the law, proving to Israel that the Lamb was soon to be offered was spotless without blemish. The interesting thing here is that um, as the people were coming down to be baptized and, and repenting of their sins, 
as they were repenting, John would baptize them. So it's a symbolic act of leaving all your sins there in the water. And while uh, Jesus was washed of uh, uh, to fulfill the law there, at the same time, when he's coming up out of the water, if, if it is in fact true that he was the sin collector, and I do believe that he was, then this is the point where he could take the sins of the people from one place and collect them up to be able to bear them and carry them to the cross. Let's see here. Uh, moving down to where uh, it says, as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him and he saw the, and he, John saw the Holy spirit descending out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. It says here that uh, there are Latin manuscripts and external evidence dating to Jerome, indicating that the Hebrew Matthew included this sentence. A great light flashed from the water so that all who had gathered there were afraid. So as Jesus was baptized, there was a great flash that came up out of the water. And all the people were afraid. So they saw this point. They, they knew that this was different. This was a, a different baptizing, baptism taking place with Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't the same thing that was happening with everybody else. And so... It's something that they were all witness to. Now, if it was, in fact, that John had the prophetic vision of the other things happening and the people didn't hear that or see that, they did see this. It was recorded that they saw this flash of light in the water. A, a, a spark there that was starting things off. And, and if they were afraid, you know that... Um, or maybe you don't know that if you are in proximity to a lion where that lion is not caged and you are not caged, if you hear that roar, it could produce a uh, fear. You can only imagine that, that this beast can potentially destroy me here. And, and so I, I like to view this as the roar that the people could see. They didn't necessarily understand what was taking place in the unseen realm. But there was something happening. Something extremely important. Something extremely significant that was, was unfolding before their very eyes. They didn't know what to, to make of it, and it produced some fear in them. In another footnote, in the words that John heard, it says the church historian Jerome affirms that additional words were spoken by the father. My son, in all the prophets, I was waiting for you, that you might come and I might rest in you. For you are my rest and my firstborn son who reigns forever. I read this 
I've read that before, but I've never read it and and caught the fact that he says. In all the prophets, I was waiting for you that you might come and I might rest in you for you are my rest and my firstborn son. Jesus is the rest of the father. Jesus is the place that the father finds rest in. Can you, can you imagine the implications of that for us? Like if, if those words were actually spoken by the father, and he is saying that in Jesus, he finds rest. If we aren't finding rest in Jesus, I don't know what we're doing then. Like this has got to be a, a place for us to, to be like, well, wait, hold on here. I got to stop for a minute because I haven't been finding rest in here. I've been seeking rest in other things, trying to produce something or manufacture this or that so that I can be comfortable and I can say, okay, now I can rest. When all along we can find rest in him. We can't let the the, the roar frighten us and scare us away because it is not one that is there to do that. This is a, a, a roar of protection. This is a roar of, of salvation. Right? That that's that is what was taking place. He he collected up the sins of the world, took them to the cross, and left them there. Annihilated. Death has no more claim to you because you are an eternal being. And you have the opportunity right now to to worship. And in doing so, tear down so many high places that have been erected around us. And, And this is something else we talked about on Friday was that we are going to be called to go up mountains, to tear down high places that are are demonic. And and there we get to worship Jesus. And that real worship, that that true and honest worship that really is about offering to Jesus what is due to him. That real worship that is seeking to connect and doesn't care what it looks like on the outside. Appearance is, is not relevant. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is the, the connection that you have with him, that union that you share, or the, the, the word we like to use is oneness. That's what really matters. That's, that is what is, is relevant when we're talking about what the line of Judah did for us. It had to be the ferociousness of a lion to be able to take this on, take on uh, what was going on in the unseen realm that was affecting the natural. The, the people that were stirred up one day to, to praise him as he 
entered into the holy city and then a few days later be stirred up to chant crucify him it had to take a, a resolve to be able to stand there and and not try and defend himself It had to have had to have taken a, a great strength to do that. I know that each of you have probably at some time or another faced a situation where you wanted to defend yourself and didn't. But it's likely that that situation did not result or would not have resulted in your death. And I know that reputation and how we're seen is, is often important to us. But if that's what's on the line in allowing Jesus to be our defender, that's got to be okay. The, the death of reputation is insignificant to what he did on our behalf. The only thing I can I can tell you to take action on this week is to see what places of worship that he is is asking you to um, change in your life. Take an honest look at at your worship. What's it look like? What's it feel like? What fruit is it producing? Is there a transformation that you can point to in your life from the belief that you've placed in Jesus? If there isn't, start looking at that. What is that going to look like? What's the transformation going to look like? If you have transformation to point to, what's the next transformation that you're going to make? Go further. Go deeper. One transformation does not uh, mean you've arrived and you have it all together for all time. There's more there. There's always more there. Eternity is not going to be able to uncover the depths of who God is. So don't stop. Keep pushing in further. I love you all. Uh, be sure that uh, you check out Life Up Here from last Friday. It's really an important message that I don't want you to miss. All right. Um, starting next week, this broadcast will be at uh, 9 a.m. Central Time rather than 10 a.m. So it'll be an hour earlier. Um, making a sh shift there. So, yes, it was good. See, we have, I, have, I have a co-signer here. I have a co-signer from, from across the pond. Thanks, Chris. Check it out. Seriously. Go check that out. All right. Angie will be on later this week. Life up here. You don't want to miss that. All right. Love you all. Have a great week.